Hi, and welcome to Follow's weekly message podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message inspires you and helps you to follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. Today's first Bible reading is from Proverbs 11:25. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Today's second Bible reading is from John chapter 4, verses 1 to 26. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshippers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am He. When I was in my early teens, for a while there, we had a regular Sunday ritual in the afternoon, and it was to kick the footy at the local primary school. Lots of people from all ages, from the church I was attending, would meet down at the Oval, and we'd go hard for a couple of hours. This wasn't your normal jack-in-the-pack kind of situation. It was more that we would sprint, and we would lead, and we would run, and we would just go really, really hard, full tilt, constant running, until we're exhausted. It was that kind of session, and by the end of it, There'd be sweat pouring off us, we'd be out of breath, we'd have a bright red face like a tomato, and every muscle in our bodies would be physically exhausted. Now at this primary school, they had a bay of those drinking taps. Um, The drinking taps were all the way up a big flight of steps, and then we'd have to walk up a hill to get to them. And so at the end of that footy session, we would drag our feet all the way up the hill where there's this like like an oasis of drinking taps. And they're the kind of taps that, you know, kids would jam berries and stuff in. And so if you press the handle, they'd they'd blast you. So you'd you'd get up there and you'd try each of the taps and you'd kind of stand back and and until you found one with a nice, gentle, steady stream. 
And I remember just drinking from that tap at the end of one of those sessions for what felt like 10 minutes, just couldn't get enough water. Uh, I was so exhausted and so thirsty and parched. And once we'd drunk what we wanted to drink, then finally we'd fill up a bottle and we'd just pour it over our head. And it was this invigorating feeling of refreshment. And it was so refreshing because of how much it was needed. Well, this morning we're continuing our Proverbs series. And for today's message, we're focusing on one verse. In fact, we're actually focusing on half a verse. It's Proverbs 11.25. And the first half says a generous person will prosper. But what we're focusing on is the second half. And it says this, it says, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Let's say it together this morning. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. What great advice at the start of 2021. We've just come off what for many people was the toughest and perhaps the most discouraging year of their lives. We've talked about this before, but some people lost jobs, others lost loved ones. Some felt very isolated and others struggled with mental illness and depression. Some lost their relationships or their relationships became strained. And on top of that, our world seems to be more divided than ever. Do you like Dan Andrews or you don't like Dan Andrews? Did you agree with a lockdown or we shouldn't have had a lockdown? Is COVID real or fake? Masks or no masks? Vaccine or no vaccine? Liberal or Labor? Women in ministry? No women in ministry. Trump or Biden? Add to that the polarization and the tribalism of social media where so many people, sadly even Christians, have become hypercritical, negative, bickered amongst themselves, even to the point of losing friendships. And we'd have to conclude that the devil has had a field day in 2020. And if you're anything like me, your emotional well-being tank, your encouragement reservoir is probably running on empty, if not in deficit. Well, that was 2020. We're now in 2021. And at the start of a new year with exciting new possibilities, how do we bounce back when perhaps you still feel a little tired, beaten up, or maybe even exhausted? In this new year, how do we find refreshment for our parched souls when it's so desperately needed? Well, I guess there's lots of different ways we can do that. Just last weekend, I went into the city and I stayed a couple of nights by myself in an apartment and I went for walks, I took photos, I read books, I ate out, I went to a movie, I even turned my phone off. And it was great to spend a couple of days being refreshed. And there's also spiritual disciplines that we can do, things like being in the Word, uh, in prayer, rest, meditation. They can all help to bring refreshment into our lives. Maybe you're having a holiday in January, as we haven't been able to travel with family and friends throughout 2020. And hopefully that is a refreshing time. Now, these are the things that we generally think of as refreshing. But today's passage has some timely and perhaps surprising advice on how to be refreshed. And it's not only uh, doing things to refresh ourselves, but refreshment is also found as we proactively refresh others. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You know, New Year's is often a time of resolutions. This year, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to make friends, I'm going to save money, I'm going to break habits or travel the world. Okay, well, maybe not this year. But so many of our resolutions are all about us. But what if our New Year's resolution, or at least one of them, was actually about others? 
How would this world be impacted if every Christian person on the planet made a proactive and deliberate resolution that this year, in 2021, we would set our hearts on refreshing others? I believe this world, actually, let's bring it in. That sounds too big. I believe this community, our families, our marriages, our friendship circles, our church, our streets, they could be radically different, profoundly impacted. If with the help of the Holy Spirit, every one of us took every opportunity to refresh others. And here's the kicker. When we refresh others, we too will be refreshed. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You see, our lives are designed by God to be lives that not only receive, but then from what we receive, we give. As Christians who've encountered the life-changing power of Jesus, we have received what he refers to as streams of living water. In John chapter 7, he says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. In other words, we find refreshment in our relationship with Jesus. Our souls long for connection with our Creator. And as we come to know God through the person of Jesus Christ, He brings refreshment to our souls as we start to rest in Him and who we are in and through Him. But he goes on in the very next verse and he says, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, well, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So what does this mean? Well, it means through the work of the Spirit, we have the God-given potential to not only be the most refreshed people, but also to be the most refreshing people to those around us. Now, unfortunately, that's not always the reality. In 1986, Gordon MacDonald wrote a helpful book called Renewing Your Spiritual Passion. And in it, he talked about five different types of people. And he rated each of these people on a scale from plus three all the way through to minus two based on the impact they have on others. The titles he gave these people were VRPs, VIPs, VTPs, VNPs, and VDPs. Now, that's a bit of a mouthful. So what do they stand for? Well, VRPs are what he calls very resourceful people, and he rated them as a plus three. And a little catch cry that went with it is that these people ignite your spiritual passion. They may be mentors or a coach. They may be a role model, someone you look up to in life, and they believe in you as a person. When you leave their presence after they've invested into you, something significant has been added. These are very resourceful people, and we all need people like that in our lives. The second people he talked about were VIPs. These were very important people, and he rated them as plus two. These are people that share your spiritual passion. They could be teammates, close friends, fellow disciple makers. They're the type of people that spur you on towards faith and good deeds. They're people who engage in faithful and fruitful ministry in their everyday lives. The third people he talked about were VTPs. These were very trainable people, and he rated them as plus one. These are people that catch your spiritual passion. They're the sort of people, they have a teachable spirit. They want to grow in their life and faith. They're hungry for God, and they really want to learn. And even though you're giving out to these people, they still add to your life because it's so encouraging watching them as they grow. Now, these are the people that are above the line, the ones that add into your life. But then below the line, there's two other types of people he talks about. 
The first people are VNPs. They are very nice people, and he rates them as a zero. These are people that enjoy your spiritual passion. In other words, they're fun to be around. You may out, hang out regularly. They don't really invest in your life, but they don't really take from your life either. But they don't really share in ministry. They simply benefit from it. They're unlikely to serve in any way, but they may attend church and they're nice people. You might call them acquaintances. They are those types of people. But then the last people he talks about are VDPs. He calls these people very draining people and he rates them as a negative two. And the catch cry is that they sap your spiritual passion. Now, we all have people in our lives that can be a little bit draining and that's okay. We want to serve, encourage and help people through difficult times. Part of our mandate as Christians is to care for the poor and the broken, the hurting and the lost. And so we should all spend time with people like this. And the truth is that all of us probably go through seasons where we're a little bit draining on others because we need help. If I'm completely honest, I think in 2020, I was a little bit more draining on people than I usually am because I found it to be a difficult year. And that's, that's okay. You know, the Bible says that we're to cast our burdens on Christ, but also that we're to carry one another's burdens. And so there'll be times where there are people in our lives that, you know, are a burden. There's times when we're a burden on other people, and that's okay. But then there's those people who just never shift from there. You know, those type of people that you may have encountered in your life, they're hypercritical, always negative, undermining, self-righteous, complaining, but rarely contributing. And when you leave their presence, you ultimately feel discouraged. Well, the point of McDonald's book is to have a balance of different people in your life, people that you are serving and helping and sowing into, but also people who are challenging you and investing in your life as well. And I really think the challenge for us as Christians is that ideally we want to be people who predominantly live our lives above the line so that we can regularly add to the lives of others in a way that we're refreshing. If we're going to make disciples as Jesus has commanded us to, we need to be adding into the lives of those around us in a way that they are refreshed and that they grow and that ultimately they come to know Jesus. And so the question is, how do we go about that? How do we become a refresher of people? Well, I want to share three things this morning from a biblical perspective that can help us to become these people. The first one is, I think, absolutely critical, but may sound a little surprising. But if we're going to refresh others, a skill we must master is the skill of listening. We need to be people who are brilliant at listening to people's stories. You know, there are so many people in our world who desperately need someone who will simply take the time to listen. And if we're going to reach people with the good news of Jesus and be a refresher of others, we must learn to listen well. You've probably heard the old saying that we have two ears and one mouth and we should use them in that proportion. I think that's a brilliant saying, but it's also very biblical. In James chapter 1, verse 19, it says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Now, what should we do when we hear someone like James say, take note of this? Well, I think perhaps we should pick up a pen write this down, or maybe take a mental note, or at least prepare ourselves because what he's about to say is very important. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, not just Billy and Bobby and Betty and everyone else except me, no, no, everyone, including each of us, should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow 
to become angry. Now, unfortunately, we don't always get that right, do we? In fact, I think Christians are often not perceived to be good listeners. If I was to go out on the streets today and do a segment of street talk with a microphone, and I had one question to ask people, all those that were interviewed were asked the same question. And the same question was this, do you think Christians are good listeners? I can almost guarantee that the majority of responses would not agree with that statement. They would say, no, Christians, they're not good listeners. They're, they're quick to speak. They're quick to judge. We're quick to declare all the things we stand against. Or you tell you how you should be living your life and all the things you're doing wrong, what you should believe, how the government, what they should be doing. But we're often perceived as people who are slow to listen. What do I want us to see today? That we're often slow to listen to other perspectives. We're slow to listen to the stories of people's lives. And what I believe God wants us to see this morning is that it's the exact opposite of what we're encouraged to be in Scripture. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You see, the thing about listening is that listening leads to understanding. It doesn't mean that we'll all end up agreeing, but at least we'll be better understand. We'll never understand until we first listen. When we read about Jesus' life, one thing that is clear is that Jesus was a great listener. The longest conversation recorded in the Gospels is a conversation Jesus had with the woman at the well. Josiah read it for us this morning. And it's a beautiful account where Jesus models patient listening. And it all starts with Jesus going to Jacob's well in need of a drink for physical refreshment. And it ends up with this woman learning how she can be spiritually refreshed in Christ for all eternity. As the account is read, we see that Jesus takes the time to listen. And he listens patiently to her questions and her statements throughout the entire conversation. You see, the thing about listening is that listening leads to understanding. And for us, we'll never understand how to refresh others until we first learn how to genuinely listen to them. When we pioneered the Blessed Collective Food Van in 2016, I must admit I had a lot of assumptions about people who were homeless or disadvantaged. And they were, you know, the stereotypical assumptions. I'd never spent heaps of time with people in that position, and so I'd never listened to what they'd been through. And I'd replace listening with assuming. Well, you know what they say about what happens when we assume? We make an ass out of you and me. And I assumed that people were in that situation because of the choices and mistakes they had made. I just assumed they'd done silly things and they chose to drink too much or be violent or take drugs. And so now they were living with the consequences of those decisions. And I'm ashamed to admit they were the assumptions I made of every person in that situation. I'm embarrassed to say that I made so many generalizations about these people in our community who are precious to God and should be precious to us. Well, you'll be happy to know that over the last few years, all of that has changed. My perspective has shifted. And I could put it down to one thing, and simply this, that I took the time and I learned to listen. As I sat down with these people at Burke Park on a Tuesday or a Thursday night and listened to their stories, I've learned that my assumptions are so often wrong. No doubt there are often bad decisions that have been made, but sometimes these people are the victim of circumstances well beyond their control. Most of us watching this today have grown up with favourable circumstances. 
food in the fridge, a roof over our head, a family who love us. You're probably watching this on a TV, and that's a luxury that many people don't have. Many of the people I've met at the Blessed Collective have never had these things that we so easily take for granted. Many of them were born into brokenness where they were shown very little love. Others were victims of abuse. Some were given away because their parents didn't want them or didn't have the capacity or skills to care for them. Many of them never had role models to look to, family support or anybody that cared. Others were born into family violence, drug addiction in their family, and that's all they've ever known. Some have mental illness, disability, or other issues that have caused them to lose their employment or never have any in the first place. Some have had relationship breakdowns, which has led to them losing pretty much everything. And so after listening to so many of these stories, it dawned on me that if I'd grown up in the same circumstances, well, there's every chance it would be me sitting at the park looking for a meal and someone to chat to. You see, when we learn to listen, it changes everything. And it helps us better understand people in our local community or even in our church community. And as we genuinely take the time to listen, we start to learn how we can bring refreshment to people's lives. You know, the incredible thing about Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well is that he already knew all about this woman. At one point he says to this lady, go and get your husband. And she replies by saying, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Now, I find it quite fascinating that even though Jesus already knew all about this woman, he still took the time to listen. He didn't start the conversation by telling her all the things she'd done wrong or all the things he stood against. He simply listened. And perhaps that's exactly what she needed. You see, before people open up, they want to know that we actually care. And they know we care when we take the time to listen. And I wonder this year, what if Christians were known as the very best listeners? How refreshing would that be? To bring refreshment, we need to be people who listen to people's stories. The second thing we can do is to speak. So we listen, but we also need to speak words that build. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24 says, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. James chapter 3, verse 9 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. The truth is that every moment of every day, we have a choice on how we'll use our words. We can use them to cut down, to undermine or to gossip, or we can use them to build up, to encourage and to love. This morning, I've got with me a game that most of you would be familiar with. It's a game called Jenga. This is a mini version of it. And you probably know Jenga, you set up these blocks and You've got to be the last person to pull out one of these things. And if you pull it out and it falls down, you lose the game. But these are what these little blocks look like. And I've got my phone with me and I'm going to time how long it takes to build these up. So I'm going to press start on my clock here. And I'm going to build these up into the tower that they need to be for the game. Let's see how long it takes. Get each of these blocks. Build and we build block after block. 
takes time. I'll get it all straight so it doesn't fall over. Alright, one more row to go. Straighten her up. Stop. 27 seconds it took me to build that tower. Now I'm going to reset my clock and I'm going to time how long it takes to pull it down. Okay, you ready? Start. Not even a second. And the whole thing is torn down. And you know, I think that's a fairly effective example when it comes to our words. Because words can so quickly tear someone down, but they often take a lot longer to build people up. Statistics vary, but psychiatrists have concluded that it takes anywhere from five to 10 positive comments to overcome the effect of one negative comment. Now, just recently, I sat down with a young girl who is really discouraged at the moment by the words that are being spoken over her life. Her friends have let her down. She's being constantly criticized and torn down, even by her parents of all people. And over and over again, words that manipulate and tear down are being spoken over her life. And it's like taking bullets one at a time. And I could tell through our conversation that it was soul destroying. She was starting to believe these things spoken over her. Clearly, doubts and fears, hurts and disappointments were, they were written all over her face. And as the conversation wore on, I listened to her pain. And then I simply took the opportunity to start to speak words of life over her, reminding of her of how precious she is to God and how much Christ loves her. And at first, it didn't seem to make much difference. But as we sat in that cafe and the tears started to well up in her eyes and she started to brighten up and sit up straight, I saw right in front of me the power that words of truth and encouragement can bring into someone's life. They have the power to build. In Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well, his willingness to listen to her story opened up the opportunity for him to speak words of refreshment into her life. And while it may be the longest conversation recorded in the Gospels, in reality, it's a relatively short conversation. But by the end of it, I think we could conclude that it was life-changing for that woman. She went and told everyone about Jesus in a way that she was so passionate that they also ended up following him as well. You see, words have the power of life or death. And as we learn to listen, it opens up the opportunity to speak words of refreshment, that can point people to Jesus or even change somebody's life. God has given each of us, you and me, that ability by simply activating the gift of encouragement. Now, I felt in 2020 that our world went through a drought of encouragement. The other day, I saw a new Australian movie called The Dry, set in rural Victoria in a time of drought. And the footage of the dry fields was phenomenal. It showed rock-hard, cracked dry ground where crops once grew. And for me, as I looked at it, it was kind of like a visual representation of encouragement in 2020. There was a drought. Now, the only way that ground will ever come back to life is rain. Just like the only way to overcome a drought of encouragement is through words of encouragement. You know, it's, the reality is it's not hard to be discouraged in our world. Just watch the news tonight and you'll be reminded. In a drought of encouragement, how do we refresh others? Well, by using our words like rain to build people up. Well, you might think this morning, well, I'm not really an encourager, and that may be true, but don't let it be a self-fulfilling prophecy because you can become one. Pick up the phone, send a message, organize a coffee, use your words to build. If you're not an encourager, make a change in 2021. 
Be a refresher of people. Live your life above the line in a way that you add into people's lives. Because God has given each of us the weapon of words. It can be a weapon of mass destruction that tears people down, or it can be a weapon of mass construction as we build people up. And the reality is, it's your choice. In 2021, let's use words to regularly refresh others. How do we bring refreshment to others? By listening to their stories and by speaking words that build. Listen, speak, and finally, love. How do we refresh others? By loving unconditionally. What is the most stunning thing about this account of Jesus being at the well is that according to the religious establishment, he should never have been there. One of the things I love about Jesus' ministry is that Jesus constantly opposes the religious hypocrites of the day and he ignored all their rules and regulations by prioritizing love. In one account, he dared to heal a precious person on a, of a lifelong illness on the Sabbath. And instead of the religious rejoicing about this life change forever, they went away and they plotted on how to kill Jesus. He healed and forgave people of their sin and they accused him of blasphemy. He came to seek and save those who were lost and they crucified him on a Roman cross. And while the religious in the Gospels continually built walls to shut people out, Jesus consistently tore them down to bring people together. Jesus loved unconditionally and the religious hated it. With the woman at the well, he broke so many of their taboos all at once. And the thing about it was that Jesus was willing to go somewhere and do something that the religious of the people of the day would never do. Firstly, this woman was a Samaritan. The Jews saw them as unclean half-breeds, not to be associated with whatsoever. They were second-rate citizens. They hated them. They avoided them. They were not worthy of love. Secondly, she was a woman, and women were seen as unimportant and invaluable or unlovable. A daily prayer for a Jewish man in Jesus' time and beyond was to wake up in the morning and to say, thank you, God, that you didn't make me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. This is how women were viewed in that culture. One of the beautiful things about Jesus' ministry is he turns that all on its head in the way that he loves, values, and respects women, whether they're the ones he encounters through his ministry or the women he had on his own ministry team. It's stunning. And it's radically countercultural in their day. Thirdly, this woman was alone, and women were never meant to be alone with any man except their husband. And fourthly, she was a five time divorcee and was now living with another man who wasn't her husband. She was worthy of being stoned. This woman was off limits. She was viewed as unlovable, as unreachable, and yet Jesus meets her right where she's at. He listens to her story. He speaks into her life and he loves her unconditionally. And as he does, he shows the way for us to follow his example. Now, I watched Christians on social media in 2020, and I've got to be honest, it grieved my heart. I saw so much criticism, division, squabbling, sarcasm, disrespect, and negativity. It's like we've read the scriptures and it says that these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is anger. But it's not the way of Christ, is it? It's not refreshing. It's discouraging because the greatest of these is love. If we're known for anything as Christians, it should be for the way that we love one another and that we love the world around us. 
As this woman refreshes Jesus physically from drawing from the well, Jesus then brings spiritual refreshment to her life by demonstrating unconditional love and guiding her to the eternal living water that will quench her ultimate thirst. And so I wonder this year, how willing are we to step into those scenarios and to meet people where they're at and to love them unconditionally? Now, Follow has always been a church that has been willing to get its hands dirty by reaching out to serve the least and the lost, and we'll continue to be that church. But it's not just the least and the lost that need love. It's everyone we encounter. It's our family and our friends. It's the people who love us and even those who hurt us. It's those we align with politically and those we don't. It's strangers on Facebook. It's people living in our streets. And it's even people in our church. If you want to be a refresher, be a person who not only receives the unconditional love of Christ, but also be a person who gives that love to others. Maybe 2021 is the year to let go of the hurts, to cease the grudge you've held on to for years, to forgive those who've hurt you, to reconcile broken relationships and to live in the power and the freedom of the gospel, which is powerfully demonstrated through unconditional love that has been given to us in Christ so that we can then give it freely to others. I started the message today by describing the refreshment of those drinking taps at the end of the footy game and the invigorating feeling of the water being poured over our heads when we desperately needed it. Well, I wonder this year, how can we have that same effect in the spiritual realm on those around us? How can we be those rivers of living water that flow from within us to others? Well, I think we can do it by listening to people's stories, by speaking words that build, and by loving people unconditionally. Those who refresh others will be refreshed. May 2021 be a year of great refreshment for each of us as we refresh those around us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we've come to know you, that we have a relationship with you, that you have died in our place, that you have forgiven our sins, and that you have made us a new creation. Lord, I thank you that whatever happens in our world, we know who we are. We are forgiven. We are chosen. We are children of the living God. We have been redeemed and we are deeply loved. And Lord, from that identity, we are now free to also express that kind of love to others. As we have freely received, help us to freely give. Lord, 2020 was a difficult year. And so I pray that 2021 would be a year of refreshment. And Lord, as we are refreshed in you, I pray that we would be a church full of people who are brilliant refreshers of others, that we would be known for the way that we listen to people. We would be known for the way that we speak words that build. And we would be known for the way that we love unconditionally and meet people right where they're at. Lord, for the times we've got this wrong, Lord, we repent and we ask for your forgiveness. But Lord, with the power of your Holy Spirit, this year I pray that you'd help us to be these people so that you would be known, that you would be represented well, and that ultimately you receive all the glory of our lives. And so we pray this in the powerful and the life-changing name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Happy New Year, and I hope this year is a wonderful one for all of us. Thanks for joining us for our weekly message. If you live in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, we'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service. All the information can be found on our website, follow.church. You can also follow us on social media at Follow Baptist Church.